Good evening and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm yours, morning, my co-host as usual, Aiden. Hi there, guys. Two, two big fixtures to discuss. Um, first off, Arsenal versus Olympiacos. Can you tell me what was your thoughts on the starting lineup with this game? I mean, I just thought to myself, like, with regards to, you know, like, the, the build-up to the game. You know, we were also, like, in pole position to progress, but it seems the like Greeks also had other ideas because... They actually seem more prepared for the tie. And I mean, look, with, with Arteta then, you know, making some slight changes to the squad. But I mean, I, I was really thinking, well, I was actually confident going into this game. You know, we could see see through this uh, tie. I think any, anybody would have probably, you know, selected the team we did. Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, with Uzel behind him. I mean, you, yeah, that's... Probably Arsenal's possible strongest li- um, attacking lineup. I mean, you know, maybe throw in Martinelli in the mix there, and you have a good, pretty decent lineup. I mean, you look at that squad, you know, pre- compared to previous Europa League Arsenal teams, and you looked at that team and thought, you know, they they have it in them, and you, you, you one would sense a comfortable result against the Greeks, you know, going in um, one all one all advantage. Um, you have the Wagle in the bag. But, uh, like you said, the Greeks had other ideas and, you know, uh, they kind of stifled Arsenal a bit in the first opening minutes. I mean, I don't know how you saw it, but for me, it actually looked like for, you know, huge chunks of the game, they were almost playing something like a 5-5. I mean, of course, they could break it well, like when they needed to and, and things like that. But it's like they like whenever the ball was in their half, there was like no way to really you know ping a ball like a pass through a killer pass, even because uh, I just thought to myself, why didn't we say revert to the long ball more in the game? Because I think that would even like, that would be almost like a real test for for even like for any team if you're gonna you know have to deal with aerial balls. But we were constantly trying this intricate football, and I mean it was not paying off. I think it's maybe one of Arteta's weaknesses and maybe got shown up slightly is that mm. when things doesn't go his way, he doesn't have that other style of playing as yet. And I guess it's one of those things as a coach, you know, a new coach in, in Europe. I mean, it's his only second like game as a head coach in Europe. So it was, a, it was a, the Olympiacos coach kind of in the first half sit at his stall. You mm. can see... His first half plan was probably don't concede. The, the the task is simple. Score one goal. No matter what it is, we're back in it. And they and Olympiacos weren't doing anything fancy. They didn't start like you know like a house on fire trying to put under Arsenal under constant pressure. It was basically to not concede. Mm. And they gave Arsenal the impetus to kind of take the game to them. But it's like Arsenal couldn't find that break in the first half. And to be honest, it was a very bland first half. Yeah, but, uh, like, forgetful. And I mean, the, I think the only real key point in that first half was that offside goal by Lacazette. You know, he, yeah. he ended up just, oh, like, him and Saka, I think both of them actually were offside from the, the cross. But that being said, you know, the eventual breakthrough then came in the 53rd minute when uh, Papu Abu Sisa, you, you know, again, you know, it's like a, a, a sore talking point already for us on this podcast. It's like shocking marking again, like from the team as a well. whole. But, I mean, the people I want to now kind of pick out here is Ozil for not, I don't know what, what sort of, uh, you know, marking. Look, 
you as a player, everybody should know the, the like you know, say the art of defending because it's not just a attacking game. And I mean, his whole body positioning was wrong. He did not see anybody who was behind because he was just watching the corner, you know, the corner taker. And it ended up leaving Aubameyang with two people to mark. And I mean, it was like the, the two taller centre backs. And by the time the corner gets played, you just know for a fact they're gonna, you know, split their run. So of course the the I don't know what the, the one guy is, I can't get his name now. He darts off to the the to the left of Aubameyang. And of course, on the right side of Aubameyang, the, the eventual scorer, Cisse, uh, he darts to the other side. And in that time, he's darting off. David Luiz is just standing, ball watching. And I'm thinking, why are you not attacking that? Or, look, you already know you're being outdone now from that one thing, that, that incident where Ozil's not picking up that, that from the corner. But I mean, at least throw yourself in a line. And I mean, he just ends up standing and it's a, it ends up being just a free header in the net. I, th- I think also if you look back at it, like because they do that whole zonal marking, it's like Mustafi also kind of goes for that ball. He misses the header. Yeah. And then it also kind of leaves David Luiz in a rock in a hard place now because there's a zonal marking. That's why I prefer man on man always because there's a bit of responsibility too. You know, if that's your guy, you need to stay on him. But it's like that zonal marking. Um, you know, Mustafi went to attack the ball. I mean, he's a good, very good attacker of the ball. He goes and attacks the ball, kind of, mischarges it. And like you said, from Ozil losing his man, the Mustafi mischarging the ball. Luis goes into mind. I mean, a comedy of errors. And I mean, we've been struggling with set pieces. And I think um, the Olympiacos coach probably told his players, you know, this week could be our way back into the game. And like you said, you know, 1-1, one, one, and suddenly... All the hard work in Greece goes out the window and you, you're you fighting for your life now. It's a kind of an awkward position to be in 1-0 now. I mean, Arsenal throw that advantage away. If they concede another, they need to score two more goals. You know, so it was like, do you stick or do you twist? And um, one of the substitutes that maybe baffled me, but I don't know how you felt about it, was the likes of the bringing Torreira on mm-hmm. and taking yeah. Ceballos off. I don't know if it was... A ploy of Arteta, you know, don't concede, maybe take him to extra time because we have the legs. Or was it the case of thinking Torreira could do something different to Ceballos? I mean, I, my take was just, it came across as very negative because, look, you want to chase the game. And look, as we not just discussed now in the first little bit of the, the podcast already, they had no real interest to just attack. As you said, they were more interested in Keeping that clean sheet for yourself, that's like, you know, task one sorted out. Task two, see where we can nick a goal. That they also did. Now it comes now to, they, you know, almost like hold the fort a bit. Because then they know, they almost like knew also the onslaught was coming. But there was not really, you know, much of an onslaught coming. Because if you're going to make a sub like that, as you know, mentioned with Torreira coming on. It's, it's telling you almost like you're trying to more be conservative and, and, and go about things. And I thought... What was expected was, you know, ready to throw everything at them and, you know, get the crowd also. But for me, the crowd was flat. The game was, like, you know, partially flat as well. And another thing that also uh, dumbfounded me was that, that uh, substitution in the 84th minute with Willock coming on for Bellerin. And then you watch, say, Willock's performance. It's not like he did not know what he must do. One minute you see him floating as a, a right back. And then the next minute, he's standing almost like in people's way as a right, right-sided midfielder. But he's like he was getting, in, like say Pepe's way, he was getting in. I don't know if it was uh, 
Torreira's way at points in the middle of the park. So I'm like, he was not given really a task, but this is also that, that thing that infuriates me of Arsenal as a team at the moment. Because it's like, we don't have people. Look, your coach can tell you everything from training to pre-match and whatever, or even like say the half-time break. But I mean, other than that, all the, you know, in between those times, you have to, as a footballer, also think for yourself what to do. It's like, we got nobody. We you can say, okay, yeah, you know, do something, create something, or form something like on the pitch, tactical wise, whatever. And you guys take it from here. But no, it's like everybody is like shirking the responsibilities off to the other person. Like you see, Ozil was I don't know how many little playoffs he was giving, but he was not doing anything effective going forward. Sorry for Maron. I, I I think also I did they got it's we got caught this pants down, but I don't even. I think he thought Arsenal would have gone one all down. I yeah. think with your, I mean, as as fans, Arsenal lineup we had uh, the goals we've been scoring recently, and I think you know, you ne- I don't think he had Nketia even on the bench. I, I think he's attacking up. He had more of those midfield def- those guys that can keep the ball, knock the ball around. Because I thought he thought the first half, maybe even early second half, Arsenal would be maybe one to the good do to the good so I think he got he was maybe a bit underprepared in that man I think he got shown up a bit you know as a coach you know we keep him still where he does well but I think as a coach as well he, he, he this was one of the games where Olympiacos you know going into the 90 minutes or discussing the 90 minutes got the better of our data and I mean I say to be corrected but I mean Olympiacos as a team they've been already I think about nine years on the bounce already in knockout, like whether it's say Champions League or Europa League. But I mean, they know, you know, they've been around the block already. And it, 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 as you said, that's where he also got shown up because everybody, like, almost like was uh, almost like having a chuckle at this coach and whatever. But I mean, you could see he had his stall set for Arsenal. He was well prepared. Yeah. And I think he, he kind of, I don't know if they can't get his name now. They, he had quite the left back, or sorry, the right back was kind of almost man-marking sucker to it. I wouldn't say it's like um, completely taking him out of the game, but it was, we, we've we been kind of predictable with playing on our left-hand side. It's been a, a large portion of creating our goals. And then I think they kind of nullified sucker to an extent whereby that it kind of changed Arsenal's game where they had to go to like, you know, have to think another route to play and almost all our avenues got closed down and, you know, kudos to Olympiacos as well as, but as it felt, the 90 minutes going down 1-0. I mean, for me, I know going back to the first of a big talking point is, you know, could Olympiacos been down to 10 men? But I'm not saying that's the reason that we, um, lo- like we lost in the 90 minutes, but yeah. But I mean, what, what another person's performance that, that's also very questionable these days is, you know, again, Bellerin, because, you know, if you already have say, your danger man, Saka, being almost like nullified now that that one flank, as you were not mentioning, that uh, what was his name, uh, Simakas. Yes, 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 yes. Then uh, you at least want you know that the other fullback to you know do some sort of damage, and it's like nothing was really read by him. Like, he, he always got done on the overlap. When he was going forward, he was never getting the the sort of crosses in. But that all you know, flip side also of everything was. We also never had the bodies in the box, you know, to no. pile. Because it's like, everybody was playing almost like in a withdrawn position because 
you know, everything was like uh, flooded because of the the, the that five five that was set up that uh, Olympiacos set out it. But you know, it, it was frustrating, like really frustrating. And then you know, going on into the first period of extra time, you know, of course, things were now something to happen in the in the uh, actually the old squad of Olympiacos. You, you could see that sort of game that they were playing. That you know, just sitting and and then the odd counter attacks. It was on the tire because look, they were also being. They were also like forcing us to do certain things in the game, and I think that also eventually caught up to their legs because they were also like the, the attacks were few and far between, you know. But you, you also knew you can't take them lightly because they're still gonna be a danger. And then I mean, one hundred third minute, Mustafi then comes off, literally played himself into the ground for the team because I mean I think he's I think his legs also just gave in on him. Socrates then came on, then I think he switched. Uh, we at one point we, that's also where what I didn't get. One minute we were switching to like a back three, and then all of a sudden when you saw again, Socrates was playing again as a right back. So as a right uh, back, yeah. Yeah. So it was a, this constant changing. I think that also confused the the players itself. And I mean, I think one person that kind of wound me up somewhat, especially now with us chasing the game in a way, was you know with Pepe not knowing when he must release and hundred <laughs> percent. The decision making I found also shocking because. You could see the players already peeling themselves into position, like, you know, waiting for the yeah. cutback, and, the, and then he would still try to drive in himself at the goal. And he even tried to put the ball on his left foot. Yeah. I mean, you're a professional footballer. Even, you know, I'm not a professional footballer, but I'm sure you and your amateur, like, you know, when you used to play on, even me now and then when I play, even when you, you're wiggling your way like that, you put your foot through the ball with, a, with your weaker foot, and just put it there in the box so it can cause some sort of confusion. Because as a even take a shot because as a goalkeeper you know somebody's stronger foot is with the left foot. So when you hit the ball with your right foot, you don't always connect it cleanly, and that always or for me with my right foot, with my weaker foot, you don't connect it cleanly, and that causes confusion as well sometimes. But Pepe like he tries to put it on his left, put it on his left, and everybody's standing waiting, waiting. And like you mentioned, I mean. At, there wasn't time for that, so especially with them being so many players um, stifling us at the back. And I mean, what you just mentioned with, uh, with that, you know, shooting on your wrong foot. And that. When you look at that, that Kevin De Bruyne shot a few months back when they played us at the Emirates, I mean, it was a, a left-footed pile drive. And, just <laughs> and I mean, he's not, sometimes he's even a, like, you know, critical himself sometimes of his left, left foot. But I mean, you could see, as you said, he just took a swing and I'm like, you know, it's either going like, to go in a nestle in the net or it's going to fly into a rosette. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't take that risk and yeah. he tries to put, he tries to labor and labor. And at the end of the day, you know, he loses the ball or he wastes opportunity. I mean, maybe that's why the ref didn't, you know, when they brought Pepe down mm-hmm. in the first half, still didn't send the red card because they probably knew he wasn't going to go to the goal. He probably would have turned and tried to put it on his stronger foot and then. <laughs> So, have uh, you heard um, what was asked blog the other day? Yes, yes, exactly that. Oh, exactly it's that. Own goal and do yeah. it and then get back in the box. Oh, it's uh, like yeah. it's just frustrating watching him play. Yeah. And then, of course, what we thought was probably going to be the breakthrough in the game, Aubameyang then slams one of probably the best scissor kicks of the season from an Urzel corner. I mean, that ball nestles. I mean, that, that Jose Sai had absolutely zero chance. I mean, he threw himself, you know, full stretch. And I mean, that is when you know also you've 
you know, well and truly beating the goalkeeper when he's gone, you know, put every sort of sinew into that type of attempt at the same time. I mean, he just can't get to it. And I mean, the ball rocketed into the net. The crowd went crazy, finally. But, I mean, of course, in the back of your mind, you're still thinking, something is full. They're going to come. Yeah, you just didn't feel at ease. Eh? You just didn't feel... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, like, uh, and, you know, like... Uh, the you could see that the, there was no experience heading the Arsenal team. You know, David Luiz normally does this, but they shouldn't have. You know, we obviously there was overwhelming because we thought like you know this is it, game done. But they should have still been switched on because you know this is European football. You know, maybe Europa League, but there's always a twist in the tail, and there's always that one more chance that the opposition could get. So of course Arsenal now you know not two one on aggregate, one one on the night. And I thought to myself, okay, somehow tried to see see it through because I still remember when when um, the camera panned to uh, Arteta, his coach, you could actually see him showing with his hands to set up as, uh, with two banks or four of them, like because you could you could see like he's making like two walls with his hands, and I thought we were now going to stick to that sort of ploy, but it seems that goes out to the window because I don't know if if the message now was passed over, but we of course still try to you know go. Gungo in a way. I mean, of course, if you're gonna play a counter game, then fine. But if the other team was also just sitting back, why you know risk it? So yeah. of course, Arsenal prior to that, Aubameyang goal I forgot to add, Martinelli then came on for a very you know bland Lacazette. Uh, of course, in that little stint that he had, a lot of people were wondering why didn't they just sub him in at the start, either the start of the, yeah extra time or. Say with five or ten minutes to go in the in the first, in the second half, you know, just to give him a because I mean, in that little period that he had playing, he caused uh, Lombiakos a lot of problems. I mean, you can see that that even their fullbacks were worried every time uh, Martinelli was running with the ball at them. Like I said, it's really struggling at the moment, and I thought those two goals would have given him that bit of boost, but he's still struggling at the moment, and it's quite worrying to see that he just. Can't seem to shake off the cobwebs. I mean, yeah. it seems like Martinelli should be playing ahead of him, and you should have like the likes of a Bamiang or like Nketiah has been earning his spot at the moment. But even a Bamiang playing up front with Martinelli out wide because it seems like mm-hmm. it's just not working at the moment for like I said, I don't know, is it going to ever work? I know I'm speaking a bit negative, yeah. or you know, how do you get him out of this rut? Yeah, because I mean, look, we've now seen you know various things being tried, and that nothing is really working. And you know, then 108th minute, Masuras then hits the crossbar, and of course, you know, alarm signs are now there for Arsenal. Then what's it, 119th minute? You know, the yeah. burst happens, and also uh, again, shocking defending. Also, the whole layup of it—it it was almost like. You know, when you watch one of these bad football movies where <laughs> it's not like you, for the premise of the scene, you, you, you're setting up probably the worst sort of scenario leading up to whatever's going to happen. And we are like dawdling with the ball in our own half instead of getting it over to their half. We start like, we start knocking the ball in our half and of course give the ball to Leno. Leno gets pressured by, I think, two players. I don't think he realized. Both of them were going to really close him down again. He gives away a needless corner. A, a, yeah, I found very unpro- unprofessional of him because I really thought, uh, you know, as much as I like Leno, I thought he was going to really just belt it 
out, you know, out into danger. And you can see he set himself so badly up. The only option he did have then was to kick it for a corner. And then, of course, from that ensuing corner, it's again not totally dealt with. With a second attempt when the ball gets, you know, slung into the box, David Luiz ends up just ball watching instead of attacking the ball because I think if he had atta- attacked the ball, would have made life difficult. But I mean, El Rabi, of course, El Arabi, so he, of course, ex- anticipates the error coming from Luiz. And the ball almost like just lands on his, almost like he just, you know, by accident, the ball just lands on his foot. And in that motion of going forward, he steers it past Leno 2 1 on the night. I'm sorry, 2 2 on the night. I'm angry. And, uh, and and for me, like, you know, that, that moment, the heart, my heart just you know, crumbles into a thousand pieces. And I, I I didn't even realize, but I just felt my, like tears rolling up in my eyes. And that just disappointment because, like, you know, as much as uh, I did the, like, you know, being first night, it was some sort of European journey. And it's sometimes fun to go on that journey to get you know, to that finals. And I thought, you know, this could be our way into the Champions League. And then... You know, I thought I just thought we wouldn't have an opportunity again. But you know, rolling back into injury time of extra time, Abamyang. Yeah. I mean, was it? I don't know. Was it Uzel? It puts the cross in, and then it kind of the header hits the back. The the defenders of Olympia kind of get in each other's way yeah. or header into each other, and it falls to Pierre Emerick And all I'm looking at is the net. Yeah. He takes the shot, and I'm just looking in the net, and it falls goes wide, and I just felt lame after it, and I knew it's done, but I couldn't believe it. You know, I was... <laughs> I kid you not. I actually was about to, like, cheer, and I just said, what, you missed it? That's not all my wife, and I thought, I couldn't believe the ball just got, you know, almost like skewed off his, his boot. I don't know how he, he got that wrong. I mean... Of course, he said also, he's not making an excuse, but he said something down the lines of he felt it was a cramp start to set in even before that, that ball got played in. So, but I mean, you know, that being said, as, as heavy and as tough as he is, I mean, look, he's also bailed us out a lot, a lot of times. So, you know, bad miss, yes, but I mean, it's not like something, you know, older against him as well. No, not at all. That's at all. Maybe I know Ian Wright told him, uh, sent him an Instagram uh, post that, you know, maybe he must stay another season to make up for it or something like that. Or maybe it will make him more motivated to stay at the club or something, to, you know, to redeem himself. But like you said, he's taken us really far. I mean, where would we be without him? So, you know, just one of those things. So, you know, out of the Europa League, and even now, I mean, look, it's uh, just about a, we are a week already, and I mean, I still wonder today, you know, how we let ourselves down from a decent position, because then you actually wonder, you know, should we ever even gone for more in Greece? Because look at last part, if you think of that, the, the tie in Greece, um, Olympiacos played, of course, a more attacking game, dominated the game, but also the last quarter, they were also flat completely flat and I thought we could now you know the same way we, we, we snuck in with it like as it go I thought we could maybe steal another one but you know it's also a harsh lesson for a lot of these players especially the youngsters also uh, and I think uh, a big lesson for Teta as well you know to prepare better for these European nights yeah so we switch our attention now to the fifth round tie Portsmouth versus Arsenal um, you know, Arteta then, of course, rang nine changes. Pablo Marie making his debut. 
And I mean, only David Luiz and Saka then kept their place from the Olympiacos game. Um, you know, Pompey, of course, played with a high press. And of course, I don't know if you noticed also, they were hurrying Arsenal into the pass. Because, look, they were playing a sort of tempo. I didn't expect, you know, to come from a, a League One side. Because it, was, it wasn't it was just like a, a kick and rush game. It was, you know, like little intricate passes, but also not giving us time. Like, um, Martinez didn't have time. That whole fullback, uh, you know, the, the fullbacks and... and Centre backs didn't have time really on the ball. That's why. But one thing I must just give a, a shout out to first is like Pablo Mari. I mean, I've never watched him play before. I've just heard of him, like here and there, seen little bits of uh, you know YouTube compilations of him. But you know, didn't think that much of him because I mean, everybody was just saying, yeah, but he's 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 playing in Brazil, and I mean, he couldn't hack it at Man City, he couldn't hack it in in the European leagues, and that and like almost like he found his feet or his home really in in Brazil. But, you know, when you watch him play, it's not like he, he's, uh, he oozes out calmness. I mean, of course, it's it's just if uh, FA Cup came against uh, a League One team. Yeah. For me, uh, what I actually look forward to watching is him in, in the Premier League to see what sort of performance you're going to get out of him. Because he looks, I mean, at times it looks casual, but he's confident in what he does. Everything, like passing, like there were moments that it was getting hectic. But he has got a cool head. He was dealing with everything, you know, you know, bodies. You know, the, the old-fashioned way of, of the League One, with the, the way you know the, the way with a, a tall centre back is like backing in completely into the the defender or trying to smash him without the ball stuff like that. But I mean, he dealt with everything, and and of course, early days. But he almost like brought a calming sense to to David Luiz even in the defence. And and from the, the bits and pieces I saw of him, it, it looked like he also kind of gives the opposition another thing to think about because, you know, David Luiz is a, is a, is a, is a danger man. You know, he's kind of like a quarterback at times, the way he can hold on to the ball, the passes he makes. But Marie also looks like he can, he has an eye for a pass. He, yeah, he, yeah. he knows how to eat the ball long. So you kind of, with him and Luiz, I don't know if that's going to be the combination at all, especially with Mustafi on form, but it almost like gives... A different prospect of you know how do we deal with these two centre backs? Do we close them down mm. and leave space, or do we allow them to have the ball and pick out the pass, which could also be very dangerous? So, like you mentioned, it's, it's only you know ports, but from what I've seen, he, he does seem confident. I mean, we've seen centre backs play for us that even if you put him up in a cup tie game, they look rattled. So mm. you know, as much as it's just a cup tie, you can also there's a good. A good advertisement for himself thus far. Yeah. So in the 16th minute, of course, uh, Torreira gets injured through a, you know, one of the probably one hell of a heavy tackle from uh, the centre back Bolton. Um, you know, it was a bone crunch, and I mean, the ref didn't, uh, Mike Dean, he didn't make, you know, much of it. He thought it was not like being theatrical or whatever, but I mean, you could see the, especially with the replays, it looked bad. And I mean, as it now came out today, it is a fracture in his... I think if he's got the fractured ankle, it's probably going to be out oh. for like two months. So, you know, bad news in that sense. But, of course, like with Febayosin coming on, it also started making us tick more in midfield because all of a sudden with, with Febayosin on, it gave them, like Portsmouth now, something different to think about because he was making it not tick from even a deeper position. And they couldn't now... You know, at times they were trying to close him down or... I don't know how many times if you, like, if you also picked up on it, he got clattered numerous times when he was laying the ball off. 
He was like drawing two to three players every time because they knew he was like the danger man with the passes. Yeah, like a, almost like a Santi Cazola, almost just that that perfect guy. He's a here attacking midfielder's best friend because it allows almost the attacking midfielder to get some space. And you know, maybe future wise, you know, I know Urzel is our attacking man at the moment, but if there's another guy who can actually take the game to the opposition as well, with Sebayos playing a bit deeper, it could be a dangerous combination, you know, should we decide to keep Sebayos for the future. Now, what I actually enjoyed of him now in the last few games, even he actually gives that team that extra breath. I mean, sometimes that, that little turns can get too much, but I mean, he knows also when he must get himself out of trouble or you know, if the team needs to maybe uh, catch a breather, he'll you know dribble uh, a bit with the ball and, and and hold the ball up a bit, whatever, just to give that his teammates you know a bit extra you know breath to take whatever, and then he'll lay off the ball. But I mean, again. It was a solid performance by him. I think the team did well as well. Um, they weren't complacent at all. I know it was a bit of a tough fixture for yeah. them. I mean, away from home, the youngsters in the cup game. But they worked hard. And I think they kind of showed the blueprint of what Arteta is all about with the hard work of, of the guys, man. Like, everybody yeah. was putting in a shift. No one was, like, coasting. Like, you, know, like you always mentioned Ozil is somebody that's almost like a passenger in a game at times. So he probably would have made life a bit easier for Portsmouth. But there's Arsenal players like Arsenal, they're all angry. And I think, you know, with Arteta coming out and saying everybody has a clean slate, he's really, you know, I had to to him because I wouldn't have um, brought Eden Ketia back from loan. I would have sent him probably out on loan again. But he's giving everybody a chance if you work hard. And I mean, Eden Ketia was one of the guys also in this game that was working hard on mm-hmm. and off the ball. And when the golden comes in the 45th minute, uh, the Portsmouth, of course, don't deal with the corner. Well, ball comes out. And I mean, I think they were also kind of ball watching or something, but nobody closed to Reese Nelson. <laughs> and I mean, he just ended up, I mean, it's something that we always talk about in private, about having players that sometimes just do that, you know, kind of hit and hope shots and maybe you get the own goal off it or something. But I mean, the way he smashed the ball. It was over like straight onto Socrates' foot, and he just volleyed the ball past the keeper. One Arsenal. Yeah, and and Reece Nelson also had a, had a relatively decent game. I think he's coming. He's <laughs> it, it, really. I think I don't know if it's Arteta or what what being added to his game, but it's almost like he's starting to get that end product to his game. Yeah, because I mean, he he did offer a lot, and I mean, he actually caused him also more problems as the. The game wore on, and as they were tiring, he had actually more of the ball. And I think this was a sort of performance that he also needed for the, the confidence of him. And then Arteta probably had a, a very good word to the guys at halftime. Again, it seems like he's had this, this FA Cup infamous talks because the Arsenal team came out second half a bit more dominant. Yeah, yeah they set the marker immediately because you could see, of course, the, they were like shell shocked. You know, leading up to the the goal in the 51st minute when Eden Ketia threw also persistence because I thought he was going to actually you know throw in the towel at one point. <laughs> the ball was like bobbling around, but I mean he kept on and he just smashed the ball in the roof of the net. Two 0 Arsenal. It, it seems like he has that. I'm not saying he's a, a real Ian Wright type mold type of guy, but he has that tenaciousness um, in fox in the box. You know, putting himself being a nuisance, and I think right now. He's a bit of a trickier player to play against than um, 
the likes of like I said at the moment because like I said you know is waiting for things to happen where Nkitia you know even though sometimes we say he's trying too hard to yeah. make stuff happen but it's almost like he's putting himself there and there about and I mean what three goals already in his six games I mean it's nothing to be laughed at and I mean I, I just think also he needs to if I can like say just certain things to, to change in his game I think physically he just needs to bulk up a bit more just get a bit more muscle because at times you can see he does get bundled off the ball quickly, but I mean, and, but I mean if he can now just say get a, a you know solid torso, he could actually like you know have people bounce off him instead of you know being yeah. uh, you know bounce around himself. So you know that being said, a short win for the Gunners. The uh, but I mean it, we also I think many also forgot that uh, Portsmouth at the moment they're also flying quite high in the in League One because they you know gunning for. Uh, promotion to the championship, so you know, good luck to them as well. Yeah, and it's always they also this was kind of a distraction towards them as well. Yeah. So they, you know, just wanted to probably they're probably happier than we are right now. But you know, drawing now Chris Wilder's uh, Sheffield United it's not going to be the ease of tasks. But you know, we take them as they come. Yeah, because it looks like it's going to be one of the, probably the strongest. Quarterfinals in years, if you if you take of what previous seasons have been, which yeah. so obviously you're gonna have this lot of contenders going in in that's still in the competition. Yeah, you're not gonna get the easy semi-final like you would have probably previously. Yeah, so we switch our attention now to the game on the weekend: Arsenal versus West Ham. Arsenal still floating our in our beloved tenth position, <laughs> and we come up against sixteenth place West Ham. But I think it's also time, you know, for Arsenal to start, you know, racking up these points now. Because it's almost like you, you do see things happening in, in, in other teams, like whether it's the squads or the, the results at the moment. Because, if, like, nobody thought, like, say, last week, Norwich were going to beat Leicester. And the fixtures were kind of favourable to us, the way things were playing out in the league. And I think this weekend it could be the same because you've got, also, some key uh, games coming up, I believe. Uh, when is the Manchester derby also? It's Sunday, I think. It's Sunday. Uh, you know, there could be a point maybe to catch up to, to Man United. I think Chelsea have a tricky game at Burnley, I believe. Yes. yes. Not... No, it's Spurs. It's Spurs. Spurs play Burnley. Spurs, sorry. And then Chelsea, do you remember what Chelsea play? Because I think they also have a kind of tricky game also. Let me just get to you on that one. Chelsea play. Oh, they're supposed to be play, uh, playing Everton. And that should also be quite a tricky affair. So I think we we should try to also, you know, hammer home some sort of advantage here because you see the, the like even the top five, it's within reach. It's just now down to us or the players itself to you know, you know, show that they really want it because. Now, the, no more distractions of Europa League Thursday night stuff. Our fixtures will all run now accordingly. And I just think, you know, it's like, I still can't believe like we're in March and we haven't even clocked 40 points yet. <laughs> it's the relegation yeah. targets normally eh, to get that 40 points. It's, I mean, we're much better than this. I mean, we had to turn off those draws into wins and believe me, we could have. Who knows where we would have been sitting. I'm not saying title challenges because Liverpool are flying. But, you know, who knows where we could have been, actually. 
But in general, I just was want to say, I mean, this season, I must say, has been also a poor showing by uh, many in the league. Because, I mean, you just know there's going to be one massive overall battle with most squads. Because at one point, you see, say, Leicester flying high in it. And you see, like, say, Chelsea, you, you go, say, two or three wins on the bounce. And then all, all of a sudden, they without a win for three games or four games or stuff like that. And then same goes for Spurs. Spurs now... You know, like desperate now for any sort of attacking option now with, with their situation. They've now also just been uh, knocked out of the cup. So, you know, everything, everything is to play for still. And it's just going to come down to who wants it more. And with regards now to the game again, I think we also need to keep our heads and our discipline and, and also be ruthless when the chances arrive against West Ham. Because look, they will come. We all know West Ham's way of playing. But the only worry I do have is probably West Ham have probably one of the most influential players also in the squad, which is Felipe Anderson. And I mean, that guy, uh, sometimes I, I actually do pity him, like, where he's at. Because I think to myself, you almost the same way can be said with Delefeo when he's, uh, you know, on song. They're almost like unplayable at times. There'd be good players to go in and shop at if if, if the opportunity arises because. They Premier League ready, and who knows, you know what they could do in a side with more quality around them. But like you mentioned, West Ham can be a different prospect away from home. We saw against Liverpool, they never made it easy for Liverpool. I mean, but for Fabianski's howler, this game could have been very different. Yeah. So we put a wrap on that. We switch our attention now, just quickly, not really in depth, but just quickly to Man City versus Arsenal. Um. The timing of the game was very controversial because it seems everything was done within a space of 48 hours to, to decide on March the 11th, which of course gave Arsenal fans little to no chance like with with regards to arrangements. Because I think from what I heard, on the 11th at that time, by the time the game was over, there's no more trains going say to London and that anymore. So it's going to be people either having to, you know, out of pocket now to find some sort of stay over or whatever, or probably personally drive down or whatever, that whole journey there. So, you know, as I said, shocking the way this whole thing is now also played out, how uh, quick it's happened. Because um, I was actually, my mindset was, you know, more the latter parts of March, where you're not going to squeeze this game in. I didn't expect, you know, so quick. But I mean, uh, what my point of interest really is going to be the showdown between Pepe and Ateta, which is going to see also what sort of playing styles is now, the, of course, the first time they're going to go into it as opposing managers. So, I mean, I don't know what your take on that whole setup is for the game. Uh, to me, I just feel that Arsenal's quality at the moment might let him down and a game in hand against Man City at the Etihad. This is the Emirates, I thought, think maybe we could have gotten at them, but I think Guardiola is also going to want to show Arteta, you know, I'm still Mr. Big Deal, I'm still the boss, even though they're still friends. But um, I, I'm a bit concerned, you know, that I can't see us winning at the Etihad, not because of that we don't have the ability, but, you know, at the moment, I just can't see us getting that over Man City. I think Man City will rise up to the occasion, even though, you know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, they have nothing to really play for. Um, hopefully Arsenal, maybe that can go into Arsenal's favour, you know, that we have something to play for going to Man City. I mean, you know, wherever Man City end up, they're not going to be playing the Champions League next season. I mean, 
No, nah, but I would look with that stuff, it's probably still going to be appealed. So uh, that's, I'm not actually also counting my chickens with regards to them sitting out a full two-year ban. Because, you know, UEFA and FIFA, they are quite weak with, you know, really sticking to whatever punishment they dish out to people. That being said, it's time. I, I, I mean, I personally hope Arteta is taking notes because <laughs> if you look at, at Man City, they've lost games at home to Wolves. 2-0, I believe, and then I think they lost to, was it Man, Man United as well? Which yes, Man United, yeah. The, got uh, the... uh, to that class, and I think they lost, like, was it twice twice the season at, in the ones in the Carabao Cup and once in the... Yes, at, at, yes, at, yes, at, yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, I think there are ways and means to get around it. It's just, are they going to be up for it? Because for me, their commanding chief is really De Bruyne. I mean, if he's fired, yeah. forget about it. Yeah, it's gonna have to start to close him down. Just be disciplined, and who knows? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you a scoreline because I think the last time I told you uh, we could, we could do this two nil Arsenal, two one Arsenal or something, and in seconds, uh, Manchester just told me otherwise. So it'll be a very tricky game. But if Arsenal can get the three points or even the one point, it'll be a big bonus for us. So the only talking point I really have um, this evening as we now starting to close off the podcast, um, what's your take on Maitland-Niles at the moment? Because it seems he's... I mean, for me, he's been doing okay when he's been playing, or quite good. But it seems like there, there's something going on in the background or something where Arteta has also just, you know, turned his back on him, kind of. You know, because, I mean, even that, that Olympiacos game in Greece, I didn't expect Socrates to play right back, and I mean, he was fit. I mean, yeah, Maitland-Niles gives you a heck of a lot going forward as well, and I think, you know, you could even, you know, you brought up that point against Olympiacos in the second leg where Paladin wasn't really offering much yeah. on that side. I mean, uh, Maitland-Niles have been a perfect guy to kind of bring on for a replacement on Paladin, but I don't know, do you think it could be a case of... Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't want to be playing on the right-back mm. position anymore. Maybe he's made it clear to Arteta that, you know, it's either you pick me to or play me either as one of the attacking guys on the right-hand side, which he sometimes used to do, or I want to be playing in the middle of the park. Otherwise, I don't want to be part I'm, of your plans. Because it's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him now, given the opportunity to play as a, a defensive midfielder, which he didn't do that well. And I mean, I think he got hold of quite early when he was used as a right wing or right side midfielder in, in one of the Carabao Cup games or the, the early early rounds of the Europa League. So he, he for me, he's still more influential as a right back because he can cross, he can get himself even into goal scoring positions or create stuff or even that to the overlap runs where we, I think that's also with Balladin's injury, that's also taking the edge of his pace in a way. But I, I mean, I person would, if I mean, I'd actually just stick to being a right-back because you do see Arsenal probably bringing in maybe a right-back because, I mean, unless there's some sort of change of heart, but I mean, at the moment, I do not see a Bellin as a real threat at right-back like, because he seems, yeah, he did that fantastic with a goal that, that equalised at Chelsea, but other than that, he's, he's really been struggling in games and teams are just picking on him really to, you know, to base the attacks on. That's 100%, 100%. I mean, Maitland-Niles, like you said, he, his awareness of his game doesn't suit 
kind of a guy in the center midfield because he always gets caught in the ball. And unless he does the work on that, but there must have been something happening between him and Arteta. Words must have been said, and Arteta seems like a very type of like, you know, you take the chance I give you with both hands, or, you know, there's the bench. And we saw it happen with Quendozi, so there must be something happening behind the scenes that, because Maitland Niles is a quality player, he has the ability. So, you know, if Nketia can come into the team, there's no reason why Maitland Niles wouldn't be playing. Um, that being said, also another question, like, you know, I never answered you, you there fully, but um, also with regards to a player, do, do, what do you see when Dozy's future at Arsenal? Do you see him um, cementing a place in the team or do you see, you know, come this summer, somebody's come knocking on the door for him? I think if his attitude doesn't change, I think Arteta will be open to selling him because if that's already been a problem was a preseason thing that was his behavior and that that his behavior also in training his behavior towards coaches who are trying to you know make him also a better better player and then of course his behavior towards fellow teammates because look as I said he was one that also caused the whole ruckus there in, in Dubai with in the train one of the I mean they didn't mention which where the player was he had this thing with which was now of course also ironed out but that being said I think his discipline could be his biggest downfall at the club. I mean, the talent is there as now how he applies himself. And if he's not going to do that, I think he's going to probably miss the boat if, if that's his mindset. It's almost like, a, you know, they say a spoiled brat when someone's given something too fast. You know, you don't appreciate the value of things. Like, you haven't really worked for it. I'm not saying you didn't work for it. Mm. But, you know, at his age, coming into the first game of the Premier League season against Man City, put in centre mid of Arsenal, and everybody was raving about Matteo Guendouzi. I mean, Arsenal lost sort of 2-0 to Man City that first game of the season under Emery's reign, and everybody was talking about Guendouzi, 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 and it's almost like his head got too big for his body, and, and I think Arteta is now kind of, you know, shrinking it back to normal size. I mean, my biggest take is, I mean, for me, if, if he wants also better himself as a player, I think, you know, yes, fine, have your, fi- your fun with your friends and that, like, look, he's close with Lacazette and Aubameyang, but I don't think they are really the mentor type, you know, that you, you would need to, to, to guide somebody like this. Because I think then, you know, we maybe hangs out with, say, somebody like a, a Socrates or something like that, just on the sideline, I'm not saying... You must socialize with these sort of guys, but he just needs somehow a player to get him more focused. Because I think that because some of the people say also, I was reading a thing about uh, Colosina said also something about Socrates, where they all have a laugh at Socrates because he will moan if he's not having to play the right back. But they said, as much as he moans, he's going to do it and he's going to give his all to play in that position. Yeah, so that's the kind of a mentor you want to look up to. I think Arsenal don't have, have that 100% at the moment because, you know, you look at, you know, Aubameyang and like I said, Aubameyang's at the end of his career. Almost. You know, he's been it all, he's seen everything. And like I said at the moment, you can see what's happening to his game with all the choking and laughing around at, at training. So, you know, you need something that you can look up to that. Um, going to be a mentor and, you know, say, put in the hard work and maybe pull him aside and say, you know, this attitude is not acceptable or work harder, those type of things. Not, you know, laughing and good times all the time. Look, we are not also saying 
everybody was we also like stone faced. Yes, 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 yes. the time, like, do you know, like for me personally, when you see them goofing around and you think to yourself, we're sitting in tenth position, <laughs> and this is how you guys are going on, and then you watch people that are playing for first, second, third, and fourth, and then you watch their training, and it looks, a, you know, a world apart. I just let's hope and uh, I think we get that better and better and who knows what we could achieve in this next few um, weeks leading to the um, end of the season. So with that, we'll end the podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Hope the game goes our way this weekend. Fingers crossed. Come on, you gunners. Let's go get the three points. <laughs>